0: So, oh, good questions. Um, we're going to look at actually two questions this morning, but they're kind of going after the same thing. So, we're going to look at two episodes in the Gospels where Jesus asks um, the crowds and asks the disciples two things. He says, Do you still not understand? And another situation says, Does this offend you? Um, so, let's, we're going to look at those in the Gospel and then we're going to look at actually how do we answer those questions. And this is how I want to I remind us, I want to set things up say, Listen, when Jesus is asking you and I a question, um, it isn't because he doesn't know the answer. And he's hoping that we can help. Um, and I don't think he's asking us questions with a sort of wagging finger like, make sure you get the right answer. I think Jesus asks us questions with an open hand, actually drawing us. Say, hey, come be with me. Um, and so these, these questions um, are, are just super important. Um, and they all come in this, kind of, I suppose, in the, the looking of the big two questions of us saying, okay, who do we say Jesus is? And who are we becoming? Like, we ask ourselves that a lot around here. As individuals, as a church family, who are we becoming? And that is really, really is based on who do we say Jesus is? though you can separate those two things. But there's all these other amazing questions that Jesus asks that we're going to be asking ourselves over the next few weeks and months. So let's if you've got your Bibles, it'll come up on behind me, but you can turn there if you want. We're in Matthew 16, and we'll look at the first one. It says this When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this amongst themselves, and they said it's because we didn't bring any bread. Mm -hmm. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, you have little faith, why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? And here's the question, do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? So the disciples are thinking, he's talking about actual bread and the problem is actually the lack of bread, right? Whereas Jesus is pushing back and saying, Actually, since when did not having bread, when, since when was that a problem when you were with me? Don't you remember, we've had thousands of people with just a teeny bit of bread. Like, that's not the issue, right? That was not the problem. But, but actually, he, then he pushes further because like, I'm not even actually talking about bread or the lack of it or the miraculous. I'm not even talking about that. He's talking about um, spiritual things. So it goes on in verse 11. It says, how is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then they understood. He was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus is using an actual physical example, an analogy, to actually teach them about, listen, and the, the deal was he was saying is, listen, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it's about the sort of teaching and values and the culture that comes from religious structures and the world's sort of political structures that that stuff can come in and infiltrate the kingdom that's really what he was talking about and, and, and that's what he was going after so he was saying listen you need to think a different way it can't be about religious elite and structures and rules it can't be about worldly power and politics it, that stuff as a yeast will kind of work through and it's going to spoil stuff that's not the deal you need to guard against those things so that's actually what he was talking to them about. And they got there in the end. Good on them. John 6, here's the other situation. It's again, it's a bread thing. So Jesus is talking about bread and he's saying to the crowds, he's talking about the bread that comes from heaven and gives life. And the crowd, unsurprisingly, say, that sounds great. Give us this bread. We want that. That sounds amazing. And Jesus says famously, I am the bread of life. And then you see, if you read in John 6, I'm not going to read that, it's quite a long passage, but um, you see then the crowd going, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, you see them start sort of wandering and muttering and saying, well, hang on, but that's Joseph's son. Like, we know, we know his folks, they live around the corner, like, you can see them sort of beginning to, um, things are worrying a little bit. And then just when their kind of heads are beginning to be messed with, Jesus takes it up another whole level by saying this in verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And then in verse 60, on hearing this, unsurprisingly, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So again, the start off is, is he's talking about bread. Now I think they probably got, he wasn't talking about physical bread, because he's talking about bread from heaven that gives life. So I think they were probably like, okay, we're not actually talking about a loaf of granary. But even so, they still didn't get it. You know, and, and so then Jesus you know, says these outrageous statement by the way, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then says, does this offend you? It's like, yes. It's like my kids at home and Luke's like tapping Abby on the forehead. Is this annoying you? Is this annoying you? It's like, yes. Does, does that statement offend? Too right, it offends. Do you still not understand? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, no, I don't. So the general principle, I, I think Jesus was was pushing them and provoking them and drawing them into is, listen, you have got to think on another level. You've got to think in a different way and you you can't be constrained and, and limited. And it, this is the thing, as a general principle, all these questions that we're going to be asking ourselves, I feel like the Lord is asking us over the next few weeks and months, all the questions that maybe life is asking us, all the questions that culture is putting to us, if we are looking to answer those in a purely human rational logical natural way we're going to come up short we're going to find ourselves like the disciples offended confused not understanding right the way that these questions get answered is actually in a spiritual context that's what I want to look at so how do we do it differently like how how do we do that how do we answer those questions the first thing to realize is this and I know this is blindingly obvious but I think sometimes we forget it Being a Christian, the Christian life, walking with Jesus is first and foremost spiritual. Right? I know that's obvious, but we forget it sometimes. My primary need, your primary need, the primary need of every human on the planet is to be reconnected with God through the work of Jesus because we are made in his image, we are made to bear his image to rule and reign on the earth, to extend his kingdom through our confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he's the only way to the Father, right? That is the primary need of every human being on the planet. And the only way that that need is met is through that revelation with Jesus, like Peter had when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And we have that understanding oh, you're God right? That is, that's it. That is, that is our primary need. But it's not just that that's the way this Christian journey starts, right? That we have this revelation where Jesus kind of opens our eyes to who he is and what he's done. And we're like, wow, it's not just something we'd sing about in Christmas carols. This is actually true. We have that revelation, like that is the way into the kingdom where our eyes are open to it. actually the good news of Jesus is real. But sometimes we kind of think, well, the, the way in is spiritual, But after that, we just kind of crack on, do the stuff. And Paul really goes after this in Galatians 3, which is, John Wimmer had this brilliant phrase where he said, the way in is the way on. Right, it's like the stuff that we did at first. The way into the kingdom was spiritual. The way on and the way further is spiritual. This is what Paul says in Galatians 3. He says, after beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? This is what I want to look at this morning. I think as Christians, we can super easily try and go on and move forward By means of the flesh, not the spirit. So this is what I want to look at. And and the answer is unsurprisingly found in Romans 8, which if you know me, is my favourite chapter in the whole Bible. Understanding what it is to live according to spirit. So in lots of translations, um, a lot of the Bible translators, they put sort of chapter headings in. Um, Now, they weren't there originally, and I do know that, right? Um, But I... Like, I'm quite an ordered person, so I'm like, I quite like those headings because I like to go, okay, this is kind of what we're talking about. This is where we're going. And often, the most typical kind of chapter heading, if you like, used in Romans 8 is life in the spirit. So this is what it's talking about. Romans 8 is painting this picture of what life can and should look like for sons and daughters who are living according to the spirit. Filled by the spirit, led by the spirit, right? This is us. And there's this amazing bit in, um, in Romans 8. I'm start reading from verse five. It says this, those who live according to the flesh are not in the realm of flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of the God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ in you, they do not belong to Christ. So in other words, if you belong to Jesus, you have the Spirit in you and you are living in the realm of the flesh. It's like Paul wants to make it super clear who we are and who we're not, right? We're not in the realm of the flesh, we're in the realm of the spirit. And verse ten it says, But Christ if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life. Because of righteousness. Alrighty, on first reading, that's quite a complicated bit of the Bible, right? It's like, what on earth is he talking about? But essentially, he's, what Paul is laying out is listen, we have a choice, okay? We have a choice whether we live according to the flesh or according to the spirit, right? And just to be abundantly clear, you and I have been set free into the realm of the spirit, so we are able to live according to the spirit, right? That's where we live now. He's super clear about it in verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh right? We're in the realm of the spirit, but we need to learn to live there, yeah? We need to live according to where we are now. Otherwise, we find ourselves constantly, like the disciples, not understanding and offended and kind of tripping over and muddling. We're back into the realm of the flesh, which is, we've got no bread, right? And that's not where we need to live. So there's this choice, flesh or spirit. To understand this passage, we've got to understand fully what on earth is the flesh, that's the first thing. Right? We're not to live according to it, but what on earth is it? Because if I don't, I think if we don't necessarily know fully what the flesh is, we can end up living there when actually we're supposed to be somewhere else. Let me explain. So the Greek word that's used for flesh is sarx, S-A-R-X. It's used all the way through the New Testament. And in different contexts, it, it kind of it means slightly different things, right? Now, because I, I think, if you're anything like me, for years I read this passage and immediately, when we're talking about flesh, we think sin. Flesh equals bad, right? That's, that's our go-to. Now, sometimes that is what the Bible's talking about. So in Galatians 5, you have these lists of, this is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, hope, and the fruit of the flesh. Same word, Greek word, sarx. Idolatry, impurity, drunkenness, all that other stuff, right? Now, clearly, that list of things is sinful. So in that context, flesh, sarks, absolutely is sinful, right? But it isn't always that, okay? Sometimes the Bible is using this Greek word, sarks, and it actually just means our physical flesh and blood, if you like, our physical body. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about the different flesh, sarks, exactly the same Greek word, given to men, animals, fish, and birds. So he's basically saying their physical makeup is different, right? I don't have scales and feathers. It's different, right? My flesh is different to a fish or a bird. Other times, actually, I think it really is referring to the, the whole of our humanity. So really famous verse, the best example is John 1, where John says that the word became flesh, socks, exactly the same word, and lived amongst us. So Jesus came and Fully became human, fully embraced our humanity. He was a man with a body, with emotions, with a mind, with choices, with a personality, right? Full humanity, flesh. Sometimes that's what that word means. So when, the, when Paul is saying in Romans 8, listen, we need to not be living according to the flesh, he doesn't, I think, just mean we're not supposed to live according to sin. But that is a given, right? We're not. I think it's broader than that. We need to fully understand what flesh means. And I think it's the fullness, the full expression of my humanity. And actually, we can often, as Christians, we can end up living according to the flesh in that way, but not necessarily realize it because we think, well, I'm not technically sinning. Does that make sense? Bear with me. It will become clear. Let's look at, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of verses in some other translations that I think, have, they certainly really helped me in understanding this. So um, verse five um, is in from the Phillips translation. So it's where it talks about the mind governed by the flesh or other translation, the mind set on the flesh. Now the way it's translated in this verse, that Greek word sarx, um, you know, so the mind set on the flesh, he translates it as the carnal attitude, okay. So the carnal attitude is the mindset on the flesh. So he translates it like this says the carnal attitude sees no further than natural things. But the spiritual attitude, i.e., the mindset on the spirit or the mind governed by the spirit, reaches out after the things of the spirit. Right? That gives a, that gives a little bit of a, a, a helpful understanding, right? The flesh, living governed by, with our mind governed by, or living according to the flesh, can be that we're living in a way that is limited to see no further than natural things. And we can, we can end up there, right? Now, it's not that we don't see natural things. We don't pretend that we don't have a body or emotions and we don't pretend that there's a difficult circumstance we don't pretend that I lost my job or it's not that we don't see natural things it's just that I see further than that as well I'm not limited to natural things so I just I don't just see someone who is sick I see beyond that to Jesus who's healing right so living according to spirit means I don't have the option anymore to live limited to the the natural I have to reach out beyond that and that is on me to do So, it isn't just sin. It means actually I have to reach beyond, so further than a place where bread, no bread is a problem, to somewhere different that I'm called to dwell. Because if I am purely living, if you and I are purely living according to the natural, even though on one level that makes sense and that feels comfortable and reasonable, actually, if I am purely living according to what I think, what I feel, what I need, what I understand, what my physical or emotional circumstances are, then I am living in a way that is way less than Jesus has purchased, promised, and made possible. Right? Even though that, f- that feels comfortable, we have been set free, and we are called to be those who live to reach out after the things of the Spirit. But it, but it is a reach, right? It is a stretch. It isn't, it's not immediately within our grasp, almost. It's like, I have to get beyond... What seems natural? And, and listen, and that's hard, right? It's not, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to look foolish. I have a total fear of making mistakes. Like I don't, and you can say, oh, yeah, I don't want to risk. You no, know, I don't, I don't want to. And you can say, oh, that's natural. But here's the thing. We're not called to live natural lives. We're called to live supernatural lives, which requires us to reach out a little bit further. And we can, we can tolerate and almost like justify, oh, but it's only natural, that you'd be anxious in that situation. And on one level, yes, let's acknowledge our humanity, but on another level, it's like, yeah, that's natural, but I'm supposed to reach beyond that. What does that look like in this situation? We have to reach out. Now, I wanna be really clear as a caveat. In saying this, I'm categorically not saying um, that we, we don't value, acknowledge, and take care of how we think, how we feel, our physical situations, our physical capacity. That would be crazy, right? As people, we're made in three parts, right? The Bible says we're body, we're soul, and we're spirit, right? And our soul is made up of our mind. We can think, please think. Our will, we have choices that we can make, and our emotions, we feel stuff, right? And we have a physical body with different amounts of strength and capacity and needs. like We do, and we're spirit. And we need to be super careful that we don't think, like, spirit is good, Jesus likes the spirit bit of me, Body, mind, soul, less so. Like, that's bad. And, and it's, again, it's this division of, if I just read Romans 8 and think, spirit, good, flesh, bad, I'm missing it, right? We have got to recognize that we are created by God, body, soul, and spirit, and he said everything he created is good. So that means your physical body is good. That means your ability to think is good. That is, your ability to make choices and to feel emotions is good, right? And the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. What does it look like to love God with my emotions, with my will, with my mind, with my choices, emotionally? That's how we're called to love. So all of me is created by God and it's good and I need to learn to acknowledge it, value it, take care of it, for sure, right? So when I'm saying, listen, we need to reach out beyond the natural, I'm not saying that we ignore, despise, disparage, don't care of the natural. Is this making sense, right? So my humanity... All of it is good, it is God created, but the thing is, it's limited, right? It's not the full story. And it absolutely, they're not to be the boss, right? My emotions are not the boss. Like my strong will and my strong need to understand, make good decisions and understand and make a good choice, Sarah. That is a strong part of me and if I'm not careful, that is part of my flesh and God loves it and values it, But it's not the boss. And if I'm not careful, that bit of me can be really, really loud. And what it drowns out is what's the Holy Spirit saying? Right? So acknowledge and value your physical body, your emotions, your ability to think and choose. But all of those things need to be submitted to the Holy Spirit because we have to live in the realm of the Spirit according to the Spirit to reach out beyond the natural for the things of the Spirit. Make sense? Alrighty. Because here, listen, we are never going to see the fullness of the kingdom. while we're, we're never going to walk in the supernatural. We're never going to become fully mature if we're living only or primarily according to the flesh. We've got to figure out how do we reach out beyond the natural. A massive part of this is how we're thinking. So Romans 8 verse 6, this is the amplified version, how it translates it. So in the more traditional translations, this is where it says the mind governed by the flesh or the mind governed by the spirit. It says this. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life, soul peace, both now and forever, right? So dependent on what our mind is set on, depending on what our mind is governed by, spirit or flesh, there's either life and peace or death. Okay? Now for years again, I thought this was talking about sin, right? So the mindset on the flesh was thinking impure, unkind, dishonest thoughts. Whereas actually the mindset on the spirit was thinking nice, pure, lovely Jesus things. And that's really what God wanted. Now, on the one hand, yes, right? Thinking impure, dishonest, critical thoughts. There's not life and peace there, and that's not okay. But I think it's more than that. And this I love this translation. I love it, I equally find it super challenging. Because I really like sense and reason. That's a problem for me. Well, it's not a problem for me. But sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is going to be a limit for me. Yeah? yeah. Uh, so I think, yes, if my mind is set on sin, rebellion, compromise, impurity, that is, that is sin and that is wrong. And that isn't living according to the Spirit. But I can absolutely, my mind can absolutely be still be governed by the flesh because what i'm settling for is sense and reason without the holy spirit and it is hard and it's so easy to fall into that because like i said you know honestly i am a sensible reasonable person i like to understand i like logic i like like i, I value sense and reason and that isn't wrong it's all good actually but without the holy spirit i've missed it and i can and it's another way that we're limited Because we settle for, and if you think about it, goodness, the foundations of our faith are neither sensible nor reasonable. That God would become man and pay for all of the sins in the world. That he would not hold anything against me any longer. That the creator of the world would call me daughter and call me close and trust me with his inheritance. is neither sensible nor reasonable in any way that dead people would be raised, that the sea would split in two, that five loaves could feed. That's not sensible. It's not reasonable, but it's absolutely true. And that's where life and peace is found. So we've got to figure out as individuals, how do, how do we do that, right? And this is why the episode in John 6 was so divisive when Jesus says, hey, by the way, it's me. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, right? That is not sensible or reasonable in any cultural context, right? It wasn't. And so, and with, but if with minds set on what's sensible and reasonable, devoid of the Holy Spirit revelation, of course that was offensive. And of course people were like, no way, I'm out of here. The difference is with Peter, lovely Peter, gives us so much hope. Actually, there was that spirit revelation. That it was like, actually, there's life here. So Jesus says it in verse 63, you know, when he says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I'm speaking to you, they are full of spirit and life. But if you're trying to understand them rationally and humanly, like you're gonna miss it. And absolutely it's offensive, right? It, but listen, I think it was just as offensive, just as confusing for Peter as for anybody else who heard them. Right, because we read John six and Jesus saying he's the bread of life, we need to drink his blood and eat his flesh. We, we read those verses knowing the context of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, knowing about the Last Supper, knowing about uh, the encouragement to communion and to remembering what he's done, right? So those words don't offend us in the same way. The disciples hearing that had none of that and neither did Peter. So I don't think those things were any less offensive, any less, in, in human terms, it was no less offensive, no less confusing for Peter than for anybody else. But there was something in Peter's spirit that was like, but there's something in this. So, and then if you read on in, in John six, Jesus says, "You know, are you lot not going to?" And Peter's response is this: "Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God." I feel like in brackets, Peter all says, "And I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but I've come to believe and know about you, and so that's enough, right?" And it's spiritual. It's a spiritual revelation in exactly the same way that his revelation, when he has his confession of faith, when Jesus says, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, bless you, Simon Peter, because this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by spirit right? Sense, reason, humanity, what's logical, rational, possible, likely, what we've seen before, what we've known before, what I'm comfortable with, what I've experienced, what fits with my personality type, my upbringing, my culture, right? That stuff isn't wrong, it isn't bad, but it's limited and it doesn't get to have the final say. It all needs to be submitted to the Spirit of God, right? So what we're allowing our minds to be governed by really matters. In saying that, another caveat, right? Right? In saying all of that, I'm 150% not saying we throw our brains out and we don't think. Absolutely not, right? Just read your Bibles, all the time about everything, but about the just read your Bibles, particularly Proverbs, right? The Bible really, really highly values wisdom, understanding, advice, counsel from other people, really highly. So, that, like, it, so it's absolutely not throw your brain out and don't think. It's that your brain and your thinking must be submitted to the Lord Jesus and you've got to think a different way, right? I love this. So if we've got on the one hand, saying that the the mindset on the flesh, sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is not gonna cut it. Listen to this in James 3, verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above, so God's wisdom is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and here, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, Right? So my mind needs to not be sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, but God's wisdom is open to reason. It's just not governed by it. It's not capped by human reason. But absolutely we think, and we make good choices, and we ask advice. Right, But we have to reach out beyond the natural and not let our humanity in any way, the situation that's in front of us, our previous experience, we can't let that limit us. So when Jesus is asking these questions, do you still not understand? Does this offend you? He's provoking and he's drawing us into seeing that actually we get to live a life and we're called to live a life that is governed by and led by the things of the spirit, right? Who he is changes everything, right? So actually so much of this starts from that confession of actually being able to answer who do I say that he is, right? And then building on that, like Andy and Lucy shared last week, actually, if he is who he says he is, then that doesn't give me permission to stay the same. If he is who he says he is, if Jesus is the fullness of God, if he has fully paid for the redeeming and the restoration of all mankind and all of creation, if he really is, and if he really has sent me and filled me and given me the keys of the kingdom, if he really is who he says he is, then something's got to change, right? Right? I have got to reach out beyond the natural into the supernatural. That's where I'm called to be. And it has to have, listen, it's this balance of it's, it's a profound spiritual work that God does in us. It's a spiritual revelation, but it has to have really practical, physical, emotional, cultural, financial applications and implications, right? It's not just all sort of pie in the sky and a nice concept. It's real and it gets grounded in and through our lives, but only as we learn what it is to live with our minds governed by the Holy Spirit. That means the final word, everything is submitted to what is the Holy Spirit saying, right? And some days, do you know what? What the Holy Spirit is saying might look entirely humanly sensible and reasonable, in which case, awesome, do that. At other times, what the Holy Spirit is saying might look completely ridiculous and might be, like, but actually, if that's what he's saying, then we do that because what we're governed by is a spirit because we live in a spiritual realm but it has to change everything. It changes how I look at situations, it changes how I react to situations, it changes what I expect, what I go after, right? It requires me and it requires you to reach out beyond the natural, okay? So we can't allow ourselves to settle, well, that's only natural, but we're only human. Yeah, we are, except that we have you know Jesus living in us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I so it's only natural isn't good enough anymore right we've got to go further we can't keep settling for what we see what we feel what we understand what we feel we're able we're capable of what feels reasonable or sensible or humanly possible there is more for us there's an invitation of more but learning to live according to the spirit is the way that we get there That's our call, that's our inheritance.